Hello, everyone, and welcome into Debate Night. I'm Hunter, joined as always by Silas in the studio producing the show. We got Whoa. Brody at your new house in Dallas, I'm assuming, right? Is that where you're at right now? Yeah. We're all moved in in Dallas, Texas, baby. We're back. Heck yeah. So tell me a little bit about this house. I saw the tweet, lots of room for activities, allegedly, in, uh, yeah. in, in the backyard, you were saying. What, what does that even mean? Um, okay. So house hunting is very difficult. Kelsey absolutely crushed it. I don't know how long it actually took to find the house, but, uh, right now the market for those that are in the housing industry know mm -hmm. how crazy the market is right now of where you would just show up to a house. I don't know. Let's just, let's just say a hundred thousand dollars is like the true value for the house. Right. And so the people that are selling the house are like, Oh, I bet we can get 150 for this. Yeah. Market up to one, they market up to 150. And then someone walks in, they go, I love this house. We'll offer 175. And you're just like, well, so that was happening <laughs> a lot. There was multiple houses that we really liked a lot, but just they getting were outbid. Just, I was like, I, yeah, I don't want to buy a house. And then, you know, a year later it'd be way undervalued than it. So, uh, Kelsey, I think did a great job finding this one. Um, yeah, the backyard, I'll probably have to do like an Instagram video or something eventually in the backyard. Yeah. But I just, we have, a, we have a patio, uh, a covered patio that I can get like 40 feet. Oh, heck yeah. Um, 40 feet one direction. And then there's another direction that I can go to like 30, but it's like, I don't know. It's gotta be like 50 by 30 patio. I mean, it's a massive covered patio so i just nice. got done practice putting out there that's incredible and then i've got like a little technical wooded hole in my backyard no way so i want to say it's probably i want to say it's probably like 150 feet and then maybe this, uh like long and then wide probably like close to another 150 feet okay and diagonal probably close to like 200 maybe um and there's tons of little trees so i can like set up a bunch of like scramble shots nice in the backyard there and then and if we want to get real freaky you can throw one from like the side backyard to the front yard and have like almost a 300 foot wow straight shot wow yeah so i'm there work my matter and set up like a little training facility yeah. probably we're gonna have Especially to set up a goes. yeah we'll have to set up like a mini course well like actual full-size basket but like a mini course with a bunch of tees to one basket and have like a backyard championship every year yeah have like a little technical thing it should be it should be good times but yeah i know back i got my first round in i saw you're playing um, with the easy three guys Back with the easy three guys. Yeah. Phil and uh, Sean, you know them very well. They, yeah. they laid the smack down on you guys pretty good. Unfortunately, um, they did. They did tell me that they that they were surprised by how good you guys were. As they beat us? <laughs> well, I think I think I think they were just saying, like, you know, how it is in YouTube. A lot of times yeah. we just show up we're not warming up we're not practicing we kind of just throw ourselves in these youtube videos and so are you really always putting out your best performance probably not but um yeah no it was great playing with those guys they made a fun little like gold layout on one of the local courses here so it was fun to kind of play that 
And uh, yeah, it feels good to be back in nice. Texas. Obviously, Kelsey's super excited to be back close to her family. Yeah. And uh, yeah, things are things are bueno. Heck things yeah. Bueno. Now you're talking about practice putting. We gotta we gotta talk OTB. Uh, obviously, you texted Yikes. Trevor and I, and you you also tweeted about your putting performance out there and how you felt like that was what was really holding you back. Which, if you rewind us a year ago this time, I feel like your putt was like what you had. And you're like, man, if I could just yeah. get close to the basket. So what what's going on right now? What what are you working through? So I think after thinking about it, I think what ultimately happened was after DDO with all the wood it had, you had to putt differently to be successful. Mm, so yeah. if you did if you did if you were not a spin putter at DDO, you probably struggled really, really badly. Mm. So I changed my putt to a purely almost a spin putt at DDO. Gotcha. And I feel like I, I just maybe have never gotten it back. Today and yesterday, putting felt great. Feels good. So it feels like it's like my kind of rhythm's coming back. But putting is one of those things where if you are nervous about it or you feel like, I don't know, man, like it makes it more difficult. Oh, yeah. And the basket... The basket never looked this week, unfortunately, or last weekend. The mm-hmm. basket looks so tiny. Um, you know, fifteen footers. I'm I'm stepping up to being like shaky over. Yeah, and and it was it was hard. It was really really hard on a course like that too, where when you do throw shots in the circle for whether whether it be for par or for birdie, you you obviously need to capitalize on it. Because a course like that, it, you know, the birdies are out there for sure, but they don't come easy. You have to throw good shots to make birdies out there, and you want to capitalize when you did it. And I think I, I think I texted it. I think I tweeted about like it was like thirteen missed circle one putts, mm-hmm. and I, and this and this wasn't a situation where it was like, oh man, I just kept throwing feet. These are putts like inside of twenty five to fifty. And mm. and those hurt. Those yeah. hurt really, really bad. And uh there was a couple times where um, you know, one hole I had a 20-footer hit cage roll down the hill into the water. So Jeez. that cost me that cost me two strokes. And then 18 hole uh round two, I had a 25-footer for birdie, airballed that, that clanked the 20-footer comebacker and tapped in for bogey so that cost me two strokes so there's like you know there's four strokes right there where it's like you you just make the putt and you move on and yeah yeah it was with how good i was throwing the disc it, it's been it's been tough because i've been throwing the disc well enough to get myself in the top 10 but the putt is just absolutely atrocious right now and like i said i think i beat five people there was like 107, 108 people in the field. And the bottom, the bottom of, you know, what we've seen so far in California is not as many touring professionals are going to these California events. So you still have the top half very competitive and extremely deep. But the bottom half of the fields at these events are pretty weak, mm. mostly local people. Um, and so when you, you know, when you're, 103rd out of 108 D1X putting and you've got 40 people at the bottom that are shooting 30 20 over par for the tournament and those 
to the those are the only people you're beating yeah uh it's it's a tough pill to swallow so if it felt like an opportunity was lost because that course i love the course yeah and we can talk about it a little bit after the tournament i don't know how much in depth you guys have gone with the uh course design on it but um but for being on a golf course it was it was a pretty gosh darn good course yeah i mean we talked through it a little bit on uh grip lock not too much like specifically about the course design but more so it it, it didn't it felt like you were watching a golf course because you were but it didn't in a lot of ways the shots that you guys were throwing and like the shots we were watching y'all throw didn't feel like we were watching a golf course if that makes sense um yeah. so i thought they did a, a did a great job in that aspect and i put a poll out on twitter because i saw some people complaining about it it seems that the number one complaint which was fair but it's not really the course designer's fault was just that on coverage it was at times tough to know where you were going like it was tough because you couldn't exactly like see the basket down the fairway or like you're mm -hmm. landing in a fairway so it's tough to know if you're going straight or going across or stuff like that and that seemed to be the we only real complaint but well, yeah, and, and to that point, one of the reasons why it didn't feel like we were on a golf course was because very few times, if any, we were ever throwing down a fairway. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. So we were we were throwing across fairways. So I can definitely see how that can be ex very difficult to see. And here's here's what I will say, and this will you know this will always be a, a topic of debate on whether you like it or not. And I think this actually helps viewers at home visualize the hole mm -hmm. is we're not going to be able to go like OTB is not going to be able to go to that golf course. And, you know, the course designer, Sean is not going to be able to say like, Hey, we are going to control the grass length yeah. at this golf course. Yeah. That's never going that, to yeah. So the only way for them to really give the, you know, the viewers at home a good idea of the, the whole shape, is for there to be like flags or poles or some sort of something lining the kind of the intended fairway. Yeah. And I will say, talking about out of bounds, I think not out of bounds. I think this course needed lots of hazard. Mm. It's a, it's, it's a penalty. It's a, it's a tool that is often never used, but for a course like this, I think hazard is really what it needed because there are several holes where there is a very aggressive shot that can, you know, there be a roller or a huge like sky Annie flex shot that you can get massive distance on. And if you get your angle off or anything like that, you're not really too worried because you're still going to be really far out there and you'll just figure it out once you get up to your disc. Yeah. I think this is where hazard could have been really useful to one identify the intended fairways that they wanted you to take and so people watching at home could be like oh okay i can see you know the fairway and where they need to go but then also if you do want to get aggressive and you do want to throw a roller like hole five for example the par five that's like a thousand feet and you kind of cross three holes so you go across three different fairways mm -hmm. A lot of people were going roller on their second shot. Some people were even going roller on their first shot. There, I love hazard. Yeah. That's like, let's just say like 100 feet wide, 150 feet wide. And that way, if you do want to get aggressive and your roller ends up flipping too much and just starts 
sailing down the fairway, you don't bring it all the way back into the fairway and throw your third shot there. Mm. You throw your third shot from way, 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 way far away. I got gotcha. you. I think that eliminates a lot of these kind of throws that, you know, ultimately a lot of people don't like seeing where it's just doing it as far as you can. And there's no real, mm. there's no real risk. And also that will give an advantage to the guy that can throw 450 feet consistently and accurately versus the person that can only throw 400 feet, but can throw a 600 foot roller. And they're just launching rollers on these holes yeah. because they so you're almost advocating for, on, on this course in particular, instead of OB on some holes having hazard and not necessarily adding hazard, yeah. correct? Yeah, I definitely yeah, think that that's hazard. something. That's something that. Let, let, because I want to punish. I want to punish people. Like obviously, if you miss the fairway, right? And yeah. You don't land. Let's say it's a hundred. Let's say it's two hundred feet wide. If you can't throw a four hundred fifty foot shot into a hundred wide spot that was a bad shot right mm, yeah and you, should get, and you should and you should get penalized so if you miss by five feet you should get penalized now should you get penalized just as much as the person that misses by 250 feet that's why i like hazard because the person that misses by five feet you're still pretty close to the fairway the intended line so you still should have some sort of shot into green for your second or if it's a par five you still be able to should get up the fairway but if you throw a roller that just doesn't work and you go way down, like you are now should be scrambling and having to throw a really, really hard neck shot way down there versus you and the guy that missed by five feet are throwing from the same exact spot. Same shot. Yeah, that's something yeah. I haven't really thought about. I've, I've definitely thought through like the usage of hazard on golf courses, but more so like they've used them on bunkers and stuff like that or like certain areas. But Definitely on golf courses, I think specifically, it makes a lot of sense on a way to kind of make them slightly more difficult and eliminate some of that just, you know, spray and pray, chuck it as far as you can aspect, because then you do have to worry not just about going OB, but how far you're going OB. Um, and that's definitely like, something like, that on a golf course could could change the way everything plays. Yeah, and let's talk a little bit too, if we want to get into a little bit on like, I love talking about the last stretch of holes on yeah. these courses because i'm starting to see the trend that we all want where it's like the last stretch of holes aren't just gimmies yeah so if you have a one shot two shot lead you're not just like oh well that person's gonna win yeah it's over and yeah. this this course had a lot of teeth starting on hole 15 going hole 16 that was kind of one of the worst holes on the course to be fair but Hole 15, incredible hole. Hole 17, incredible hole. Hole 18, incredible hole. And I don't know how familiar you Do you remember the course pretty well, I guess? Or do you Semi well, like, yeah. The, I, the whole like, exact holes, I don't hole. fully know. So hole 17 is the one with all the water, peninsula, green. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So like that hole, for example, I think to make that hole incredible, you make a hazard left. So where the basket is, right, up okay. there on that little peninsula, mm -hmm. there's a huge landing area all left there. Yeah. Right? You make all of that hazard pretty much. Mm. And you almost you almost make it like an island green, if you will. And, again, it's a hazard, so you don't have to have, like, all this weird stuff of, like, where do you go for a drop zone? Because then I hate drop zones on par fours, right? Yeah. So you just, you just continue to play your, where your shot ends up. 
that kind of eliminates all this like OB kind of island stuff. But you make all that, you, you know, you figure out how big you want the green it to be. And then you make everything else hazard. Mm. Because what, what some people were doing is they were playing that hole just for a par. And if you're playing that hole for a par, it wasn't very difficult. You would just throw your tee shot out somewhere. Then you just chuck a hyzer anywhere out into that huge landing zone. Yeah. And then you throw, you throw like a little 150 foot shot up shot and then you tap in for par and move. The people that are going for birdies, those were the only people that really actually took big numbers mm. because they would, they would throw the big second shot hyzer out over the water. Yeah. And it would, it would never come back in. And so now they're almost left with the same exact shot. Right. And so that's where I think the hazard play there that would almost initiate the um, initiate people being aggressive. Like you have to be, you it makes you be. challenge the water. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really give you another I option. Cause I didn't get to see it, but I saw like, I didn't watch coverage, but I kind of was paying attention a little bit. To, I'm, I'm assuming Natalie went for it first mm -hmm. and threw it and threw it in the water. And then did Paige just throw a shot kind of to the landing zone that I'm talking about. I believe she knew so. that. I believe that was the order it happened. Natalie definitely went aggressive, and that's what ended up costing her. But, you know, it's hard to blame a player for losing a tournament by trying to win it versus just... No, no. What I'm no, saying, no. though, yeah. is like... That, the commentators were yeah. doing that. The commentators were saying, oh. that's the wrong play. You know, got to think, just take a four there and put the pressure no. on Paige. But I'm like, no. I like a player losing trying to win versus a player losing trying not to lose. So, yeah, but yeah, that's what ended up happening. Trying, she went aggressive for the green and ended up in that water. Yeah, and that's where I think if you make third page now doesn't just have like the easy like oh I'm just gonna chip chip and make a par. Yeah, right. Yeah, she she's forced to actually have to play some golf. You know, throw throw a shot into that hole 17, and then hole 18 was an incredible finishing hole. Such a good hole. Yeah. Like, probably one of the better holes we've played on tour this year. Oh, wow. That's high praise. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it definitely yeah. it came across. Like, it, it definitely made it exciting. Like, e even for MPO. I mean, for FPO, obviously, it came down to the wire when you thought it was going to be a blowout. And then for MPO, towards the end, it got into where if you felt like there was no way Simon should lose, but there was still enough. There, there wasn't a big enough gap that you were, like, 100% comfortable ever. Because there were still enough holes ahead until we were like on 18 with I think he had like close to a four stroke lead at that point. So we were there. It didn't feel comfortable because you knew you're like two mistakes away and every it's right back, right back tied. I would, I would say you would need three strokes on 18 to yeah. two strokes is not enough because it's very easy to bogey that. Like even if you're trying to play that whole par, it's not easy which I think is what makes it an awesome hole. And that's the only, that's the only reason I was saying 17 is if you play 17 for par, it's a pretty easy hole. Yeah. Um, but 18 is anything but that. Mm. So, you know, two, two shots, you could easily bogey that hole. And then the person you're going up against birdie it. And um, all of a sudden you're in a playoff. And I think the person above us literally just absolutely wiped out. But before we get into our next topic, I want to take a moment <laughs> to thank our sponsor for today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Manscaped. Sweaty sack summer is approaching, and it's time for you to prioritize the comfort of your crotch. That's why the kings of crotch comfort Manscaped have spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. 
I've had the honor of testing these out personally, and I can say it's some of the softest fabric I've ever had in underwear. It's breathable, just like gills for your groin, as they put it. They even trademarked the jewel pouch, so you know it's serious. It's time for you to invest in your family jewels, so let your bulge breathe and get 20% off plus free shipping using the code DEBATE20 over at manscaped.com. Now, you've heard us talk about on Griplock and some on this show, the Lawnmower 4.0, the best electric trimmer for below-the-waist grooming by far. It offers skin-safe technology, but with their focused efforts now on helping helping you out with these new boxer briefs, uh, especially the focus on the jewel pouch here, a pouch designed to cradle your boys in their own special space, lined with per- wow, perforated performance fabric. That's some alliteration that's hard to say. To keep them well-ventilated, basically just imagine your balls sipping pina coladas, chilling on a hammock at some tropical beach, and that's all you need to know. The micro-modal fabric is buttery soft and breathable, keeping your cucumber cool. Walk, run, strut. These moisture-wicking boxers breathe without breaking a sweat. So go over to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code DEBATE20. Again, that's 20% off and free shipping with the code DEBATE20 at manscaped.com. I'm gonna I'm gonna need some of those. What the yeah, heck? like they sent us a bunch, but you weren't here, hot. man. You weren't here. So what? Trevor and you I have been rocking them. Right? Yeah. Well, Trevor has them in his drawer. Actually, he has your drawers in his drawer. So, sorry. All right. Well, you need to you need to hit our contact and have them send me some down here. I'll Texas, get some. Let yeah. Me tell you something. It is getting swampy. It's at, it's here. as manscaped to put sweaty sack summer down there. It's. Yeah, the triple S. The triple S. The triple S will get you yeah. every time. So, you know what? Yeah, you, if we can't, if Trevor's already been using them, maybe you need to head over to Manscaped, code debate 20, just pick some up. All right, maybe I will. <laughs> maybe I will indeed. Uh, I am in need. I do want to, I actually want to talk a little bit about the, like you were just talking about the final three holes. But before then, Silas, I got I to gotta quiz you real quick on, on I don't what? know if you've seen this, Brody. Our man Silas here has picked up disc dying, and he's gotten good fast. And I feel like a lot of people at home are very curious in disc dying, and I personally uh, just want to know what method are you going with? What are we looking at here? What are we talking? What what method? Well, like how how have you gotten to this point so quick? Okay, well, uh, YouTube has been a big uh, help of that. That's fair. I will say there's a lot of people on YouTube that know what they're doing. And, uh, you know, just having the right tools for the right job. Now, did you, did you cover any of this in Plastic Addict, your show? Yes, I did. So I did. You can check that out if you want to actually see. You actually died discs for the episode, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like a 25-minute video. Oh, heck yeah. There you go. And then you went live on Foundation Disc Store today. Foundation Disc Store went live, died several, like seven discs all on the live stream. Heck you know, yeah. I had people what? picking colors. I had people picking designs. <laughs> Look at this guy. It was fun. It was a good time. There you go. It was a, it was a great time. Yeah, we put some on the shelves in our in-person store. Uh, I don't know. I just wanted to give a shout-out because Silas has gotten very good at dyeing discs very fast, and I'm jealous because it's something I always wanted to do, and I never got good at it. So he, he hit me up with a sick Zeus. I think he has a zone for you, Brody, unless I I'm do. mistaken. Yeah. I, yeah, I, need no, a- I, gave, I gave him a zone to do for me. Um, si- when, when is Silas going to have these on um, online? Yeah. Uh, I, I got to build up some stock. We actually just placed a order that included blank discs for dying in the order. Yeah, Brad was telling Heck me about yeah. that. Yeah, so we got a stack of like 15 or 20 that are going straight to Silas, and those will probably be the first ones that hit the site. So. Heck yeah. Do you have a, do you have a dying that, name yet? No. Psy Guy Dies? Psy Guy... Dude, there we go. Psy guy dies. Psy guy dies. Boom. 
That's just what Are happens. Are you posting these on your Twitter at all, Silas? No, I should. You need to. I need yeah, to. What People the love heck these are you things. Doing? I, I, I posted. I shouted you out on my Twitter. I saw that. It was sick. I saw that. All right. I, I, I'll post them. I'm doing one for Trevor. I'm doing one for Trevor. You post cancelable tweets, but you don't even post. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you post controversial tweets left and right. You don't even post your sick dish ties. When people actually hey, see. man. Yeah, like stuff that actually would probably do very well. You get interviews whoa. on Trevor's show canceled, and then you you won't post a disc die. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, this is a long time ago. Don't worry about it. Uh, I want to talk back to the back to the final three hole stretch of OTB Open yeah. in a roundabout way because there's another three holes that went down in a different sport, golf. I'm assuming you watched the playoff, PGA Championship. No, I was playing. Oh, you were playing, but you haven't playing. seen it. You haven't seen it or on, anything. I was on hole. I was on hole 15. Oh, well, that sucks. I was watching it. Well, there was a huge there was a huge backup during it. So we're literally on hole 15 had one of the bigger backups just because of the way the court, the hole was set up. Yeah. But I'm, I'm like on my phone, like trying to refresh to see what the heck's going on. Yeah. Because again, like at that point in time, my round had, you know, it was, it was pretty brutal out there. So, so it was, I, I had, I had some free time on my yeah. hands. Yeah. It was a pretty thrilling finish. I ended up, I was watching disc golf on the TV and then was watching golf on my phone, but my eyes were glued to golf because they were in a playoff. So no offense to disc golf, but it was a little more interesting. That time. guy, yeah, that guy, that guy was just—he couldn't handle the pressure. The guy that lost. What was his name? The no, 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 no didn't not make the, guy the, playoff. the playoff. No, the one that didn't make the, the guy, playoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, all, all he had to do Miko. was par. All he had to do par, was par bogey. eighteen. Bogey it got him in the bogey. playoff. Yeah, ended up doubling. But they had an aggregate playoff, which I think we had talked about a while ago. But I finally got to witness yeah, we, it. Yeah, it's the only it's the only major that does aggregate. The other three majors, uh, U.S. Open does. Um, you come back the next day and play all eighteen yeah. holes again. Yeah, that's what Trevor. Well, I thought Trevor other- said they just got rid of that. I don't know. Either way, Trevor's telling me about that. Did they? I don't know. I could be completely wrong, but Trevor's just telling me about that. Oh, and then I think I think the other two are sudden death. Yeah, because essentially what ended up happening in this one is they both birdied one. Uh, Justin Thomas birdied two, and then so he had a one-stroke lead going into the final three, which I think they end up doing 16, 17, 18, I believe. No, 13. 13. They finished Thir- on 18. 13, 17, 17 18. 18. Yeah, so they Some, picked the three. Someone said, yeah, they got rid of it. They, they get rid of the 18 hole. Um, so fascinating. It, so are all three just sudden de- deaths now, Silas? Minus the aggregate. I would assume, I mean, Silas doesn't know. He, 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 if the chat, well, I, if the chat tells him, he can do some research real quick. He's got a computer that knows every answer in front of him. All right. He's, what I can hear him typing. He's typing. Yeah. Dang. He's Just, typing fast. You got Is he actually, is he actually typing? No, no he didn't type typing. a word. He was just faking it. I'll type for you, Brody. I got type this. U.S. What? Open, U.S. Open playoff. Uh, how, someone how said it's a two-hole aggregate. It's a two-hole aggregate. Open. I just googled it. Two-hole aggregate. So lo- low score after two holes. And two or more you. players are still tied after those two holes goes to sudden death. So same thing that we just witnessed, but two holes instead of three holes. Anyways, whole reason I brought this up is because it was absolutely thrilling, and the three holes they chose were what made it thrilling because like 17 was a drivable par four, and then Justin yeah, stepped up first, holes. put it on the green. Uh, who was in, who was the other guy in the playoff? Zaltoris. Will, he swung it a little wide right He uh, and ended up basically like... Swung it a little wide. That's a disc golf term brought to golf. You're welcome. <laughs> swung it wide right 
and ended up basically almost OB. I don't know. It was just thrilling. It was thrilling. And um, I was thinking, though, through, is this something that would make any specific disc golf tournament more exciting? And if you so, which one? Worlds. Well, the yeah. only thing the only thing that I was thinking was the issue is you need a course that it sets up well for. And with rotating courses, if you have like, I mean, I guess it's still going to make it exciting in general, even if it's a course it doesn't. Because like you could do USDGC, you could do some type Worlds, of loop. You could literally do 16, 17, 18. Well, but like what you, but you don't know the course. Well, at the four, I'm talking about yeah, four. Yeah, so I guess but you, well, you, can you can decide based on the course. three holes. Yeah, but you, you want it to be holes. like somewhat of a easy to get to from 18 and well, a good little bit of loop. 13 to 17, was 13 to 17 a little bit of a, like how long was that in those two holes when you're watching? Well, they hopped them, they hopped yeah. them on golf carts. So, I mean, we had well, one commercial so break and we they, were back. They, they basically told the spectators, you better run if you want to see this playoff. Probably. Because <laughs> in my head, I immediately went to USDGC just because it's always at the same course. So it's easy for me to just think through. And I was thinking like, it would, be, would a, do, it would be a walk, but if you did like easy. five, seventeen, eighteen. Five, seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. That's the walk the walk to five would be a, a little long for spectators, and then the walk up to seventeen would be a little long. But you go five, seventeen, eighteen and see where you're at and like yeah, that's but, thrilling. But but realistically you can watch five from seventeen, eighteen. That's true. You could have the spectators on the hillside of eighteen and they'd be able to watch five. Yeah. They just watch it from there. That's true. That's a perfect spot. Yeah. Because that would be so thrilling because like the playoff right now, the format is you go back to 18, then you go to 1, 17, 18 loop, but it's just sudden death. And so 18, there's it's a tough hole. No, you, they did one. They did one here. He didn't go back to eight. They didn't go back to 18 first. They go straight to one. No, they didn't. Oh, that's that's they old. Just, then. Remember 2014, remember they went they back to 18. Straight to one, and and Kyle Kyle like missed the gap. And yeah, laid up. And I know that was. I knew that was where it ended. But Paul the old, the it must have been, I'm thinking when Johnny McRae, Will Shushik, 2014, they went back mm-hmm. to 18, then one. But regardless, it's that that loop there. Um, I like 5, 17, 18. That's yeah. a great loop. I think that'd be, little... that'd be pretty thrilling to go to aggregate because then you're guaranteed three holes of golf if, you know, we go back to Paul and Kyle, they go into a playoff and Paul loses one on five and then gains two on 17. And now he's up one going into 18. It's just like, the same thing that you just witnessed during the round of like everyone's got to make clutch plays and if it doesn't happen then you go to the sudden death i don't know it was it made the playoff for that major it was a major right the pga championship yeah it it made that made that playoff for the major i think in my opinion way more interesting because it even when it like it would have been over on the second hole in when a normal sudden death but like you still had the pressure of like it's not over. There's he's still got to execute 18, which is what the guy just lost the tournament on just a few like, you know, 20 minutes before that. I don't know. Yeah, I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if the other majors don't like I definitely see more like I definitely see more tournaments going towards that than a sudden death because it's like you just played 72 holes. Yeah. And after 72 holes, you tied and now you're just going to Now obviously the drama and all that stuff, I get it from one hole. It makes sense. Yeah. But as far as like fairness of like trying to give it to the best person, you know, three probably makes a little bit more sense than one. Yeah. Or even, even kind of fluky. Yeah. Even US Open going to two is interesting because it at least guarantees you yeah. got, you got two holes because like it just makes you execute more shots. 
essentially. And you're, you're yeah. guaranteed you have to, you're going to have to execute X amount of shots, probably at least probably two par fours, I would imagine. But that's, that's, that's my whole argument on why I don't think par three courses should be on the pro tour. You just have to execute more shots. Yeah. You do, you don't have to execute that many shots throwing a, you know, all par threes tee shot and all par threes. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, we're going to go into a new segment, our first segment on Debate Night. Brody doesn't even know what this is about to be. I'm about to introduce it. Um, but during this segment, I want you to go ahead and start throwing in some potential debate topics, potential things you want us to talk about into the chat if you're watching us live. If you're listening on audio, just sit back and relax. Unless you're driving a car, then stay focused on that road. Um, but go ahead and throw some comments in the chat of what you want us to talk about here. Silas will be monitoring the chat. I decided our hot dog pretzel debate was pretty pretty popular some people people were very invested in that and it was a very pointless debate and so i decided you know we're debate night we we don't really debate that much anymore at this point so i'm going to bring up a pointless debate of the week and i'm gonna just find oh. a pointless debate online and bring it up and just see I'm, I'm gonna pick ones that i think we'll disagree on um and then we'll just see where we're at and you know sometimes they'll be disc golf related if there is something to debate on and if not like this week, it's just it's just going to be pointless. So this pointless debate of the week, first time, new segment, which is better? We can also say which would you prefer, being really tall or really short? Okay. That's a tough Kelsey one. Kelsey literally at Best Buy today was standing on like the footrest of the chair. So she went from, you know, she went up to like 5'11", I mm -hmm. think. And she's like, I wish I was this tall. And I was like, no, you don't. No, you don't. Um, so is your argument really short? Hold on. Okay, wait. We got to first figure out parameters. I what think, is really short? Yeah, I, I figured you'd go here. So what, I'm thinking five foot and seven foot. I think is the really tall, wait, really short. Yeah, well, I'm thinking really short and really tall. I'm thinking pretty drastic. No, but you got to, yeah, but you got to, I mean, that's, that makes it way easier because you got to be like, I feel like you got to be realistic, like really it's short. short. It's short. Guy. That's what I'm saying. I'd rather be five foot. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Yes. Okay. See, I think, I think it gets harder. I think it gets harder when you go like five, six or six, four. I think that gets hard. Okay. Okay. We'll go there. Five, six, six, four. Because five, seven, like, so basically, Five I'm talking seven, to two guys that are y'all are both six four or higher or yeah. taller, higher. Yeah. We'll go with higher. <laughs> and I'm not. I'm I'm only five feet clear of five foot six or five inches clear of five foot six. So I still think are I'm choosing claiming, five foot are six. You six no, I'm five inches clear of five foot six. That'd be five eleven. You're five eleven. I'm like five ten and a half. Uh, what math did I just do? I don't know. <laughs> you added seven. <laughs> you added or eight. I don't know. What? I'm not over six foot. I guarantee you that. It no, was five, you, five, six. You said five foot six or six foot four. What, what are you choosing? Because here's my thing. Six, I'm, I, I think I'm going six foot four. If you're tall, you do get like you can always reach the top shelf. Yeah. You can always like at a grocery store. You don't need assistance. You know, but like yada, being yada, on yada. an airplane sucks. But exactly, airplanes. Being in a car, cars, like small cars. You can sucks. be if you're short, like, you can be comfortable on every yeah. couch showers yeah that's showers, what i'm thinking it's like finding i think finding i'd rather be five foot shoes. six i think i'd rather be a here's short the only, king. here's the only thing i'll say 
is if you're five six, you probably do, you probably do eliminate a little like there's less women out there that probably are like I don't want to date a tall person versus I don't want to date a short person, right? Like way there's way more women are fine with dating someone that's six four versus women. There's a lot of women that are like I don't want to date anyone shorter than me. That's so just a I risk I like have you, to take. That's comfort. a good point. I feel. I would just say I feel like you eliminate your pool when you are shorter, but outside of that, I don't know. Short kings I are making a comeback. I, but I, I'm just no. I'm saying what? there are some women that are like. <laughs> there are some women Cody that want to wear heels. The, the kingdom, man. But there are some women that want to wear heels. So if you're yeah. five six and you, and your and your girlfriend's five seven, it's gonna be tough for her to wear heels. I'll but, wear platform shoes. <laughs> I'm saying outside of that, I don't, I can't think of another reason why like being five, six is like unbeneficial. Well, the only other thing is like, you have no, no chance in athletics really. Yeah. Well, well we're, we're running we're, basketball, no, I mean, stuff like that. Gymnastics. Yeah. You could run gymnastics. There, there's, there's options, but you're, you're limiting yourself um, in that aspect of life. Curling, you'd be, you'd be worse you be at nasty. disc golf. If you're five foot six, you would be worse at disc golf. I don't know about that. I think so. Wouldn't be able to throw nearly probably, as far. Yeah, probably. And plus, five foot six, you probably have smaller hands. Wouldn't be able to putt as well. Wouldn't have mm. as much control on the disc. I don't know about that. Something to think about. I mean, Shaq had some of the biggest hands, and he said he said his hands were too big. That's basketball, to though. Basketball That's well. basketball. We're talking disc golf. You think the bigger you think the bigger your hand is, the better it is. I think I, right I think now, in disc golf, you, I think you, you have more control. I know that maybe with an ultra star, but now with these little things, these are little dinner plates. <laughs> but I like you can, hand, I you can grab a 13 speed. You can grab a 13 speed and just be like, oh, this is great. I grab a 13 speed. I'm like, I can't hold this thing. And then putting really? like, the yeah, it's, it's well, a nuke is like borderline. It's almost too, it's like a little How? too big for me to be uncomfortable. Like it's just what? a little too thick. It just doesn't feel good in my hand. It's too I my hand wrapping around it is like too thick. I just don't think you're used to it. I don't think you're used to it. Well, sure, but your hands are also massive power, compared to mine. Do you do you power grip everything? I power grip it. Well, everything but my putters. I fan grip all my putters. Hmm. What do you think, Silas? I mean, Silas has big hands. I can't ask him. What? Yeah, but you when throw I, a nuke. When I when, would you throw a nuke when you feels comfortable? Uh, if I could throw one, if I could get one up to but like, speed, the comfort isn't what's holding you back. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, it feels good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think uh, like, my, my smaller like, hands. But like when I power grip yeah, like a uh, a Vindra SS, that I don't feel like I don't feel anything. No, because you, your power grip is small. SS. That's what I'm saying. That's what that's your advantage. Yeah, no, but like I, I see golf, the bigger the hands, like I, it's an advantage. In disc golf, I think. In disc golf, yes. I don't. I just don't think the rim width translates like that to your argument. Should have stayed on putting because putting, I don't know. But your argument with rim width and throwing, well, that's I don't just believe that's because, a comfort thing. I, it's uncomfortable for people with small hands to hold a thirteen plus speed. But but it should be the same as someone with big hands. It should be uncomfortable to hold a really small rim disc. No. How is that not? How does that not work? What? Like when I when I grip if I grip your golf clubs, yeah, it feels uncomfortable because my hands, the size of my hands, what's, to what's your the, golf clubs, 
What's how, how are your golf like clubs a, different? They're way thicker. The the, the grips, grips are on way them? thicker. Yeah, they're two and a half. Hmm. So like when I when, if you grip my golf clubs, it would feel like wow, this feels like a tree like a, a tree. <laughs> and when I when I grip your golf clubs, it feels like I'm gripping a pencil. Yeah. Right. Okay. So in golf, there there is that translation of like you gripping you have smaller hands gripping a bigger rim, uh, rim. It feels weird. Someone with big hands gripping a smaller rim, it feels weird. So why would that not translate the same to disc golf? Well, like someone with small hands. I think because the smaller the rim, the deeper the deeper the inside is. No, Vendress is so shaft. Compared to what? A nuke, a nuke deeper. And you think a nuke's deeper than a Avenger SS? Yes. That can't Are be you, true. What? That can't yes. be true. There's no way. It, pro- it probably is. I'm, g- I'm looking up the spec specifications. I'm gonna go, that I'm that gonna has go. to be. Or look up, look up, or look up like an Undertaker. Undertaker's super shallow too. Raptor, Raptor's super oh, shallow. Raptor, well, for a, sure. a Raptor. Well, some Raptors, some Raptors can have dome to them. What are, what's the chat saying, Silas? Am I crazy? Uh, well, the I this, don't know how it goes. I don't know how it goes one way, but doesn't go the other. That's everyone, I, everyone's just talking about how tall Drew Gibson is. Oh, dude, your thumbnail made him look <laughs> tiny. Did you did you edit him or something? I don't, no. <laughs> how, so how tall is he? <laughs> that was ruthless. How tall is he? Any, you any know what I was thinking about? I would you, guess five ten. About though, I think he's like my height. Hunter, you, Hunter, you know what I was thinking about though today. What? And I think this this is something. Oh man, it is coming down. Um, yeah. I was thinking about this because like so many people in these comments are like saying stuff where I'm just like, how how are people not knowing this? When you're watching coverage on disc golf, a lot of times that's like the only time you really ever get to see some of these pros. And the way they have coverage set up, a lot of times like it's very zoomed in and just the perspective of everything. You know, you, there's very every few times where you just see a player like walking like players next to each other, just like walking down a fairway. Yeah. Because what ends up happening is, and I was thinking about this because when I was watching the PGA championship, they have cameras all over the course. And the majority of time when they're filming someone, they're filming them from hundreds of yards away and they're just zoomed in. Yeah. Right. And so like the perspective I think is a lot different than in disc golf. The person that's filming you is five feet away from you. And they're just like, boom, right there. Mm. So I thought that was interesting because I was like, I thought a lot of knew like me, Ezra, and, and AB are all very tall. And Drew's like a normal height. Drew's like 5'10". Yeah, Drew's I like knew I knew you and AB were tall. Ezra, I didn't feel like he was tall, but I think it's because I've only ever been around Ezra when I'm around you. So he's like, like six, He's like 6'2". Yeah, so he has me by like three or four inches, three inches. But like I, yeah. I just don't notice because if if you're in the room and you're towering over him, it makes it hard for him to feel tall to me. So then when there's a thumbnail and Drew's in it, I was like, I literally told Trevor, I was like, surely this was photoshopped. And I've like, I've seen Drew in person. Like Drew's not a short guy. Like I think Drew I think and I are just... <laughs> about the same height. It's just something about that thumbnail. I think it was the perspective. I think me and Ezra might have been a little closer to camera or something. It was something weird. The perspe- the perspective of it definitely you did it dirty. Once man. people started, well, once people started saying something, I was like, "Let me look at this," and I was like, "Oh man, okay, he does look." 
He definitely looks smaller in that photo than he actually is. All right, I've got some interesting. I got, I got some interesting info for you here. Between the okay, the nuke fly. and I the got, heat, um, they no, are. No, I didn't say heat. Oh, I didn't yeah, say we heat. Did, we did I not say Avengers heat. Oh, Avengers SS. Avengers SS. Oh, okay. All right, I don't have. I don't have interesting information for you yet. I am sorry. Which or Undertaker you, well, or Raptor. This could still be interesting while I Google, while I look up the Avenger SS. What would you think is deeper between the heat and the nuke? I, I'd say they're probably very similar. They're oh. the exact same. Both 1.2 centimeters. Man. There you go. I feel, right. I feel like that's probably very and similar. And the Avenger SS is the exact same as well. Also 1.2 centimeters. So they're all three there the same. Uh, I will say the rim depth to diameter ratio... Don't know what that is, but it's 0.1% higher on the nuke. So on the Avenger SS, it's 5.6%. On the well, nuke, it's 57 That just that goes back to your that goes back to what you're saying. It's like the difference in how deep it is compared to the width of it. Yeah. So like the higher the ratio would be the there's a bigger difference between the width and the height. So basically it's just showing that there's actually not that big of a difference between the two discs. Yes, yeah, so I don't really know. I don't remember at this point what. Look at look at Raptor though, because that's well, the that's Raptors. Raptor's got to be oh, it's got to be shallow, right? You would think. Yeah, yeah would but think. I thought I I would have thought the Avenger SS was shallower, but it's not. All right, it's let's look at. Actually, I'm gonna open the Raptor and I'm gonna open the Captain's Raptor because those are. I'll be curious in both. All right, so the Raptor is 1.1 centimeter, so it's 0.1 centimeter shallower. And the Captain's Raptor is the same shallowness as the Nuke. The captain's raptor is. 0.1 But the raptor's 0.1 centimeter difference. So it is technically yeah. shallower. Yeah. That feels but this like is, not. here's the drastic th- difference, is the rim depth to diameter ratio is 5.2% on the raptor versus the 5.7% well, on the nuke. Well, yeah, Again, I don't know what that number means. I'm just feeding you stats. I think, well, I think it's just like when, you know, when something's one centimeter and something's 1.1 centimeter, that's mass difference. Then if something's 20 centimeters and something's 20.1 centimeters. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the Raptor is shallower than the nuke, but, but not by like, but not by much. Okay. That's, that's very interesting. I still, I still think that would, that would, that would be a good game for for Trevor's trivia. Which one's depth is like bust out. Which which one's deeper? Which one's wider? That'd be fascinating. I, I feel like you have like these ideas, and then like you actually get the numbers, and you're like, "Wow, I was way off." I would be I'd be bad at that game. I would definitely be bad. But regardless, I still Clearly. think I would rather have for disc golf. I'd rather have a bigger wingspan and larger hands. Yeah, personally. But what at what at what point does your hand become too large? See, because there, there is definitely a point of diminishing returns because, like, I can't comfortably power grip Setchel Embiid. That's funny. See, now he makes you look tiny. <laughs> no, I know. That's what I'm saying. That's so funny. To get... Oh, there we go. The only person I, I have like a picture a, with I is, look like... like a, I, I look like a normal person. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Like, I, I, look, I look like just an average-sized human. Yeah. Who is that? In that photo. Joel Embiid. He's 7'2? So oh he has you by eight inches. Goodness. Yeah. I mean, his he can he can easily put his head, his chin on, on your head. Easily. That's funny. <laughs> Did I not post the picture? 
Well, that's how you know if you're really tall. Like if you're if you're if you're actually taller. like drastically taller than someone. Yeah, it's, can, how, you, can you? How rest, tall is Scott Stokely? Yeah, Scott Stokely like seems six, pretty seven. tall, six, six seven. seven. So he's got you by like think, three inches, three or four inches. He's like my he's my brother's height. You're six four, right? Um, six, six five. Yeah, I'm almost pretty much. I'm closer to six five probably than six four. So he's got you by a few inches. Dang. So Scott is tall because yeah, that's the other thing that blew that like messed with my head. Yeah, he's very tall. Is like he's, disc he's golf perception. Him and Big Germ. Big Germ is probably six six. Yeah, Germ, you Big can Germ tell is tall. Like He's, t- he's about an inch taller. For some reason, Stokely just didn't seem tall. So it, it threw me off when I like saw him in context with someone else. What do you mean didn't seem tall? Like, he's got like super long legs. Yeah, but something I don't know what it was. I just was surprised when I heard how tall he was. I remember that. I could see I could see that being like with Calvin. I could see you being like, oh, I didn't realize Calvin was that tall. Because Calvin's the same tall height as me. Yeah, yeah. There's a, I, there's a lot of tall golfers that are good. I can't find the picture. I only had one picture of me with a tall person, and I looked very I tiny mean, in it, and I must have deleted it. You say that, but then there's a lot of short people that are also good. Yeah, but I think I do think they're at a disadvantage. Well, let's let's run through. Uh, let's do this real quick. Let's see. Well, because you got to think. Let's, let's, Paul, wait. Let's take a guess. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let's take a guess. Each one of us. I'm going to run through the top 25. Okay. Do you think? Give your number. We're going to say six feet or tall or higher is tall and six feet or under is short. Okay. How many are you going? How many are you going over six feet? What's the number over? You said For top, the top 25? Yeah. Size. So you can give me a, you can give me a, uh, Oh, okay. Um, I'm going, we'll do, uh, I'm going, we'll do jute. Go for it. Uh, I'm going 15. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking 15 and 10. I'm going 15. 15. All right. We're going off of Judah's new list that he just posted four hours ago. Oh, I haven't hey. seen that yet. Ricky, that's one. Yeah. All right. Paul, no. No. Heimberg, that's two. All right. Dickerson, no. No. Conrad, that's three. Heck yeah, I'm feeling good right now. Yeah. We're Kyle, three out of the top five. Kyle, yeah. Four. Kyle Klein, that's four. Have you even said Heimberg? Kevin, yeah. That was the second. Yeah, one. Okay, okay. one of them. Okay, we're at four yeah. right now. Kyle Klein. Yeah, we have fourth Kyle Klein. Kevin Jones. No. Yeah. Adam Hammies five. Gannon Burr six. Oh yeah. E- Eagle seven. Oh my oh, god. We are we're good. Visit- we fifteen was too low. Hold on, hold on. Joel Freeman <laughs> eight. eight. Drew Gibson no. Okay. Nico no. No. Matteo nine. Emerson Keith, no. I don't know if Clemens is. I don't know. He's close. If Clemens is. He's close. If I he's don't the, think Clemens if, is. Okay, we'll we'll I count him. Think... We'll count him as a no. But if if we're at fourteen, I'm arguing. You're at nine. Ezra ten. Garrett Gerthy, no. Uh, Thomas Gilbert eleven. Aaron Gossage no. Oh, I gave that. Mason one. Ford no. Yeah. Bradley Williams, no. Oh no. Alden Harris, no. No. Simon Lazat, yes. Woo! Oh, Twelve. Corey Ellis, yes. Okay. That's it. Oh, oh okay. Well, but but 13. we have two. We have two questionable. <laughs> we have Chris Clemens and Aaron Gossage, which would put us at fifteen. 
Yeah. No, Aaron Gossage is now over six feet. How positive are we? He looks tall. I, n- we, he's a good friend of mine. Chris Clemens' height is listed at 5'9". Okay, that's an NBA player. Oh, thank gosh. Oh. I was like, there's no way he's shorter than me. Well, that's going to be impossible to find. Because how am I supposed to find yeah, him? You're, you're, yeah, you're looking, yeah, you're, you're looking up that. these things. You're looking up these things like these guys are uh, these guys are NBA. Chris Clemens, got... disc golf world tour height six foot two. Oh, not only is he over go. six foot, he's six foot two. All Four, right, that's 14. I need to find Aaron Gossage. 14. I'm texting him. I'm texting Aaron. I'm actually gonna text Chris. <laughs> no, we already got Chris. No need to text him. He might be humble. No, I don't think that's accurate. He's listed as six foot two. You can't argue uh, that. Clemens. People are saying Clemens is yes. Yeah. Come on, Aaron. Why doesn't the PDJ have height? They should. I mean, that's a weird stat. No, got to know it. You got to know these things. How tall are you? <laughs> that's be such a random question out of the blue. <laughs> All right. Funny. Hopefully he responds. At, if he responds, it's 14. Yeah, we're at 14 right now. Regardless, pretty good guesses from Silas. Yeah. And also, yeah, but, that I mean, shows... That's barely half. Barely yeah, half but or, look at the top 10. The top 10 was so tall-heavy. Yeah, that's true. Which shows that the best short players in the world can't get up there. Hmm. Wow, man. That's a clear got, advantage. Got a point. That's a clear advantage. Wow. wow. It's tough to well, argue that. I mean, it's also tough to say six feet tall is... But you set the line. We'll that, you set yeah. the line. I didn't no, set that I line. Know. I didn't set it. I know, but I, six feet tall is like. Well, Chris Clemens was six not, two, so. And well, he okay. he was the debatable one out of all of them, so they all got to be over six two. I know. I just have a hard time believing someone that's six foot one has a huge advantage over someone that's five ten. No, but over five eight, absolutely. Well, because now you're talking yeah. wingspan and arm size. I think are both huge in disc golf. No, for sure, for sure, And for you sure. get both of those with height. Because that's why Paul, although Paul's like 5'10", he has like a six-foot wingspan. Oh. Yeah, that's another thing. It's like some, some of the short guys that are better have bigger wingspans than they are, are tall. So it's kind of like they're actually you know, taller than you they know, are. Do you know what you're talking about right now? Ape index. What did you just say? The ape index. What is that? That's what it's called. It's when your arms are longer than your height. It's like your wingspan uh, compared to your height measurement because it's like how low your hands hang down. That makes sense. I'm going to Google it to make Someone sure I'm not said an idiot. the average height is 5'9". Wow. Yeah, ape index calculator. There's literally calculators online. Ratio of an arm spans to relative to their height. Boom. So like if you have a longer wing- arm span than your height, I'll have Kelsey measure mine. I'll have Kelsey measure mine. All right. Let's get into some comments from the chat, Silas. About an hour into the show. We'll wrap this up for some, like, 30 minutes of uh, comments. What do you got? All right. What do we got here? If you have a debate topic, leave it. They should have been submitted. We gave them, like, a, we gave them thir- a, solid, a solid 30 minutes of a pointless debate there. Everyone was talking about how tall. Gannon 6'7? Someone's no, like 6'7. Uh, He's 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 my height, maybe a little taller. I was like, uh, Gannon Gannon recently shot up out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean he's, he might he's gonna he be might be, he's only he's, seventeen. He's, yeah, I was gonna so, say like he might it. he could still hit another growth spurt. Yeah, he might be six six. He might be six six. Might that Aaron really Gossage wonder. text could could change everything for me. Yeah, 
Uh, well, if he's ever texting back, he's never texted back. He only responded in, in like the uh, iPhone thingies. Uh, here we go. Where you can like, like you can thumbs up uh, uh, exclamation point. That's funny. Like, he's uh, only he's never he's never texted back. Well, if he hits you with an exclamation, he's over six feet. If he hits you with a <laughs> thumb down, he's under. That's we'll just go with that. Do you guys use those a lot? I've just recently started. I I use them if it's like if I all I can respond is like okay sounds good or something yeah, like that. I'll yeah. just hit it with a thumbs up instead. Yeah, yeah. All right. I use them a lot in group text. All right. Mark wants to know how important is form in disc golf. For example, would Matty O be better if his form was more in quotes normal? Mm. No. I think that I think that there's certain parts of form that are crucial to being good at disc golf. Um, the issue is I don't think we have the data or the science to know exactly what those are, but I would bet if you were able to cross-reference a, like 50 players or the top, like we'll go with top 50 players. I would bet there is like a few key things that like 99% of them do. And I'd bet players like Matteo and others that have like, like Eric Oakley or I'm just trying to think of other players with like very unique form. I would bet they still I mean, hit those things. Even Aaron Gossett has... Aaron Gossage has very unique form. Ricky has Ricky has different form backhand than a lot Ricky, of players. Cal, Calvin Calvin doesn't Calvin doesn't uh, fully extend. Yeah, so I, but I would I would bet that there's a few things in there that every one of them's doing. There's a few positions they're getting Emerson, to something. Keith, Emerson Keith doesn't fully extend either. Yeah, so I, Calvin are very similar. I'm very curious as like science continues to enter disc golf and like technology enters disc golf like oh what those things are someone had a disc at uh otb i wanted to bring this up someone no. had a disc at otb uh with sensors on it that was a tobu you would throw i don't know okay. you would throw i don't even know what that is, is that, <laughs> that was it was an old thing that had sensors on it i but thought you said going. tobu <laughs> no tobu t-o-b-u I, keep going um, okay so it gave you a bunch of numbers, but the only ones that I, I said like mattered and were interesting is obviously the speed, which I think was pretty close to accurate because I know if I'm really cranking them, I can give them like up to like 86, 87. And this was at my fourth round or this was after my final round. And I was getting the top end at like 83. And then, you know, I only threw, I think, three of them. And one of them I didn't really get that much out of. And I was like, ah, that wasn't that good. And it showed up like at 74, 73. Mm. So like it was, it wasn't like I was like, ah, that, that one didn't feel great. And then it's like 85, you know? So I think it was pretty accurate, but you get um how fast uh your spin rate, yeah, RPMs, you get your nose angle, mm. and and you get your launch angle. Those were the numbers that I thought were very, very interesting. The hyzer angle, I don't know how accurate that was, um, but those four all felt very accurate of where if you aimed higher up, your launch angle went up, and then also just the nose angle of... Um, Fascinating. Yeah, so I thought... Yeah, and I was like, you know, he's he's he he basically has it two of where and this was the part that i was like i didn't really care about because he he can basically tell the computer what disc you're throwing and then it generates the flight oh off that's of those num- incredible 
off of those numbers. That's now, how you get the discs was, off simulator. The problem was it was super inaccurate. That was the most inaccurate of all of it because, you know, I would throw a shot that I would throw like any driver that would be like my stock, like 500 foot driver shot. Right. And it would just basically be like, Oh no, but maybe, maybe it was too flippy of a disc. I don't know, but it would just like, it would not fly. It would just like turn over and he'd be like, Oh, you got to throw it higher. And then like, I would throw a high shot and be like, ah, that didn't feel that good. But then it would like have this crazy like pan stuff. So, so it, it didn't have like the accurateness because that's where needs, disc golf discs are. So like you might have a really overstable force in your bag and in the system, it's a flippy force. Yeah. And I think there was one number, which was the, I think it was actually the launch number that was, that was uh, uh screwy. And he said like that, he did say like, that was the number he needed to work with. Because like I would throw a shot and it'd be like, oh, you turfed it. And it's like, no, that definitely, I definitely didn't turf that. Yeah. So he had that number. I think that number was kind of messed up. That's incredible. Which, which, but outside of that, it was actually really, really cool to see. And uh, it made me, because we've talked about golf, disc golf simulators. It made me believe that we're not that far away from them. Yeah. So Well, what's been crazy is like recently i've been talking because with the retail shop being open there's been a lot more questions thrown at me of like how discs fly and how this disc compares to this disc and yada 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 and what disc is best for this and it's like questions that i haven't answered in a long time and it's made me like start thinking through and one thing that i realized i was saying a lot was i was referencing certain discs and being like yeah if you really snap it it'll do this and then I had someone finally ask me, like, what do you mean if you really snap it? And I'm like, oh, if you, like, no matter, like, how much power, if you get a lot of spin on it, it'll react this way versus if you, like, fan grip and take spin off, it'll react this way. And I didn't realize that that's what's going on in my head sometimes of... I don't know if fan gripping takes spin off, but continue. In my form, it definitely does. Because of the way okay. I throw when I fan grip. I change a lot when I fan grip. So, but yeah. I, d I do think fan grip takes spin off. But regardless, that's a whole different question. But there are certain things where, like, if a, a disc, it's really noticeable with MVP when I've thrown that, but it's noticeable with every brand, where, especially on Anheuser, if you get the disc spinning really fast, it wants to hold the Anheuser angle more than if you release it and it doesn't spin as much. It'll want to get to that low-speed stability more. So I feel like that's a whole different avenue of disc golf that I don't even know what's the point of going down, but, like, being able to change up your spin rate with your arm speed to accomplish different flights yeah and that's actually a good little segue into something that i learned this tournament playing one playing with mason we we played at like the little uh dinky i don't even know it was i guess a 10 hole course loop mm. there was no t pads or anything but we were soon kind of like upshot and putting practice and he was just throwing these discs so straight. And I was like, what the heck? How can he throw these discs so straight? And it was, it's 100% due to the fact of how much spin he puts on it compared to his speed. Yeah. So when me and him throw a shot that is going to go 200 feet, for example, his ratio of spin to speed, you know, because we're having to throw it roughly the same kind of uh, – well, actually, he we, he doesn't because his holds straighter longer. But regardless, what I'm trying to say is 
he can keep the disc so much straighter because he's throwing the shots with so much spin. Yeah. He he threw an overstable driver, the straightest overstable driver I've ever seen, 150 feet, mm. which in my mind, like I'm thinking like the only way you can throw an overstable driver straight 150 feet is like throwing that thing on like a, a knife angle, Annie. Yeah, right? and have it flex kind of. And have it flex, but no, he just threw it with so much spin that it just stayed straight pretty much and then faded obviously at the end. So that was something that I was kind of tweaking a little bit was working on increasing spin, decreasing spin. And the other thing that I figured out this week too was nose angle. So for 99.9% of the time I'm throwing shots, I'm just thinking about keeping the nose flat, like Mm. angle down flat. Yeah. But I realized for holes on this course the only way to get the disc to go um the only way to get the disc to go like towards the basket is you actually had to like exaggerate the nose angle down mm. so on because you're releasing on hyzer so normally i release a normally i would like okay let's see there normally yeah. i release a hyzer like this right mm-hmm. but i needed the disc to go obviously start moving left but it needed to skip but when it skipped, it needed to skip straight. And if you release a hyzer like this, it's going to kind of skip and go left. Yeah. So I needed to like push down the nose angle more. So that way when it was coming in and skipped, it kind of had a straight skip. Yeah. And that just opened the the door to possibilities. And this is kind of what you're talking about of where now I'm thinking about so because I think I do it, I think I do it unintentionally or like i do it um because with ultimate frisbee obviously you press angles all the time but you don't really think about it and now i'm starting to actually think about like okay how does it get freaky fly when i throw it nose angle down on like a flex line versus nose angle up on a flex line yeah and yeah. Th- these are now things i'm starting to think about because it definitely does shape shots and if you have spin control and you have nose angle control like that of where you can throw a shot a little nose up, um, you're going to be great. Like hole, hole 11, which is the island hole uh, at OTB, where you're throwing across the water and there's like that palm tree on the left. Mm-hmm. Like that, for example, is like a perfect like little nose up stall backhand. Yeah. Like Raptor. Yeah. But if you if you throw that two nose down it's going to come in with a lot of heat and skip probably off the island and go OB. Yeah. So there's a, that was, that was really fun to kind of see and be like, man, all right, there's still so much I need to learn and so yeah. much I need to work on. But yeah. Cause that was something that like in, in disc golf form before, not before like this past few weeks, but I, you can get in ruts where it just feels, it feels basic. Like it feels like there's not that much more to like really discover or learn. But as soon as I started like talking about how much, like, oh, like if you really snap this disc, it does this or whatever. And I wasn't even thinking about what I was saying. I was just saying it. Once someone questioned me on it, it, it reminded me what I used to work on a ton. And when I was at my best upshots in college, what I was working on a lot was I, was I was throwing it with a Nova at that time, but basically just a neutral flying putter, throwing it nose up with a slow arm speed, but a ton of spin. And what mm-hmm. it would do was basically for like 150 foot shots it just went dead straight and then just dropped and what it allowed me to do was run those shots no glide 
well, no, it added glide. The spin added the glide to where like it got to the basket and it would like stall to the basket and you could like get it there basket height, but it wasn't going past. So it allowed me to like dropped out of the sky. It had no glide. Well, it had no glide at the end when it lost speed, but it still had when it lost speed, it still had spin. So it wasn't hyzering. I don't know. It was like, you're throwing like a little stall shot to the basket. And like, that's something I've completely lost in the last few years. But like, that's something I used to do. I got to get it back. back, I got to get it back. Cause that was so much fun. Cause if I was like a hundred feet out dead straight, I wasn't thinking, get this close. I was thinking, just try to throw it in. And my body was naturally how I tried to throw it in was this little floaty stall shot that would like worst case scenario, I'm 20 feet past. And like, that was way more fun. I didn't even think about it until people were asking me how discs flew. And I started using terms that I was like, what does that actually mean? What am I talking about? And I was like, oh, maybe I do know what I'm talking about. All right, here we go. Disc golf. What else we got, Silas? We kind of went on a rabbit trail there. Yeah. Uh, do, 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 do. We need to have a, a theme song for when you're looking through the chat. I know. I get Trevor's theme song stuck in my head. Oh, we can take a moment here. Actually, I don't know if I want to spoil it. No. Have you done uh, the interview yet? I, I'll spoil it. Why not? Unless have something crazy happens. Yet? Unless something crazy happens, Trevor will have Bert on his show Thursday. The interview is tomorrow at 2 p.m. Trevor's been prepping all day. He fired a few questions at me, asking me if there were good questions. I think it's going to be a great mix of getting... Obviously, getting getting Bert's personality through isn't going to be be hard. Um, but hopefully, getting him to tell some pretty funny disc golf stories and at least get him get him rolling with some disc golf because that's what Trevor's main this focus is, is talking through through disc golf stuff with him. Obviously, but it's going to be a big the interview. biggest interview, right? Yeah, it's going to be a big time, big time interview. So we got to go bigger. Who who does he want next? We got to go bigger. I don't know. We got to keep going up. Got to keep going up. I don't know. Trevor, Trevor was I funny because this was the this is the first time he's reached out to like schedule an interview and is talking with an assistant versus the actual yeah. person. And he was like, "This is so nerdy." He texted me Sunday night and he's like, "I don't know what to do, man. I'm talking I'm talking with his assistant and like she already wants the Zoom link, but I use Riverside FM to record these things." And I was like, "Well, just get her a Zoom link." He's like, "I don't know how to get a Zoom link." I was like, "Google it and get her a Zoom <laughs> link, Trevor. Like, what are you talking about? Like, this is this is your time." So. Well, it'll all be figured out. I mean, using Zoom is very easy. He was just stressing, but it was pretty funny. He's like, That's I've never, my, I've never talked goal, to an assistant before. My goal is to try to find more and more people to, like, where Trevor has to interview them. Like, Bill he can't Nye, just be like, oh, there no. we go. He's got to get oh, Bill no, Nye next. Yeah. No, that's the no. next. Bill Nye, the disc golf guy. No, Bill, no, that's Bill. easy. That first off, that's easy to do. Too low hanging fruit. No. Okay. Well, no, it's just like he's already like he's all into ultimate. He's already into that. We so want, you want to get people that like, like aren't into disc golf at all. What you're talking like disclosure? Oh, we want uh, like like big cat. We want uh, well, big cat would be that'd be big huge. cat would be good. Uh, but like disclosure, they're big. Shambo. Someone spotted him on a disc golf course in Georgia once. They took a selfie with him. Oh, he was. Oh, he was. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, Bryson sneaky plays. We get the Shambo on there. Uh, he's injured right now, so he's not gonna be. Great, I'm, I that's think a I'm great actually, timing. I think I actually might bounce into uh, bounce into the Charles Schwab this this weekend. Oh yeah. All right, Clemens said six two. Oh, oh we knew go. Clemens was six two. That was on world. That was on the. Uh, no, we didn't. 
We Wait. didn't know for sure. Who? The other one was Gossage. We need Gossage. We need uh-huh. Gossage. Has he has he emphasized Gossage the message is... yet? No, he's probably yeah. in some national park hiking. He's probably hiking in, or or biking. You don't, you don't in do that unless biking. you're at least six feet. Yeah. I don't know. His we got nothing silent. Strictly tall very... people activities. Uh... His bike seat didn't look that high. <laughs> Maybe his wheels are big. Maybe he's got a dropper seat post. You know, the heck's no that? one knows what that is. What the heck is that? Yeah, no one knows where that <laughs> the is. Dropper seat post. That that's uh, the seat. That's you just made height. something. Oh, up. The, the seat goes with you. No, the seat changes height. Yeah, it, it's on like mountain bikes. Every bike. No, every bike. It's hydraulic. Oh, you, it's like suspension. You press a button and you stand up and it'll raise automatic. It's like a it's like a wheelie chair. You know, it's like a desk chair, <laughs> but it's like on your bike. So like this. Yes. Wow, I've never seen that. You can do that on a bike. I've never seen that. It's called dropper seat I've post. I've never seen Dropper that. seat post. Yeah. You learn something new every day. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. What we got, Silas? What's uh, coming in? Ice cream versus frozen yogurt. Ice cream. Is there any disc golf stuff? Nothing Nothing really. Nothing really. Nothing really. Nothing really happened. No one wants to hear opinions on anything. Brody. I'm trying to think what. Do you think that the Disc Golf Pro Tour will ever come to Canada? Oh, Canada. Matthew wants to know. Um, Right now, I don't see there to be a reason to do that. But in the future, for sure. I mean, again, a lot of these events only, uh, you know, should be only happening if they feel like they are successful in yeah. the sense of making money. So if someplace like Toronto or someplace like Vancouver hold a site and they can get a lot of people either to the venue or they can get a lot of sponsorship money backing the the, the, the venue, uh, then, yeah, 100%. But, like, as a Disc Golf Pro Tour goes, you know, they need to be looking at these things as, like, are we making money? You know, can we make money going to these places? And if the answer is yes, you should keep going back there. If the answer is no, then I don't think you're going back. There you have it. There we have it. Um, Roger says, uh, what do you think about the Disc Golf Network and Jomez collab? What was that? They did a collab or should they do a collab? I I think he's saying like the graphics, follow flights, and shared footage. Oh, like should they collab? Yeah, I guess that's what I, I guess he's asking that. I don't think they collabed. I mean. It's tough to do that stuff live though. Like, well, that no, stuff I think it takes those people so long. I think it would be more so. I do think that the ideas Jomez has implemented on like flyovers and stuff previously, I don't know if they still do this, but like where the they have like during the flyover the follow flight that shows you the oh, line yeah. to the landing zone, That's that nice. would be That's great cool. to have live. But that they something, highlight they highlight certain stuff too. Yeah, like that stuff that would be great to have live, like pre-prepared graphics of like you know, hey, yes. this hole on this course is hard to follow. Let's make sure every round when we get to this hole, we highlight it with this graphics package to show here's the landing zone, here's the danger, here's what you miss, here's the green type thing, and just as the drone's flying over and the commentators know it and do it. I mean, that would be huge. But with that being said, you don't like it any like you can hire someone to make those graphics right so i got that did you how much coverage did you guys end up watching uh i got to watch like a round and a half uh yeah i didn't watch a whole lot maybe a round 
It was it was late here, okay. so you, it, yeah, it didn't go it, off. It, was really it didn't start till like a little after six. I did see something I oh, didn't like good. was they sh- they were showing people just playing cards on the backup. No, that's happened before. They love uh, that. Why? They love that. Why? Well, they but that. their they argument don't have is any cameras of anything else. Yeah, they, they their argument is they can't send else. cameras. Talk about something else. Well, I think I think you throw it to the booth. And when you talk about something, put the camera of them in the booth talking. Yeah, I think you throw it to the booth. And then you let the chase card camera get the hole ahead, the lead card camera get the hole you're backed up on, and then once they're in position, you just cut to the chase card and or like the chase card camera crew and the lead card camera crew, and you got two holes of golf that people are cycling through while you're waiting for the backup to clear. There you go. You got you got to show just disc golf. You can't you can't show saying. people playing cards. Have gra- no have some in. have some highlight packages ready. Have, that's a good time to go to commercial. Go to yeah. commercial while you get everything figured out. Come back to a highlight package of here's what Simon's done so far through the first I, hour. Many I holes. would, yeah, I would much rather as a viewer. I would much rather watch random disc golf shots from people that are in tenth or twelfth or fifteenth than the leaders playing cards. Yeah, yeah. but Just I mean, something I saw. I don't know. It is what it is. There was a lot of. I mean. Uh, Robbie C. I saw was in the chat and said something about along along the lines of has Elaine King's commentary career tainted her disc golf legacy, which I thought was a pretty fascinating topic. Mainly, Is it bad? no, just uh, like she's been very heavily criticized, mainly because of what happened with the major, where just the, the Kristen Tatar thing. Yeah, and so since then she's been under a microscope. So her commentary and stuff's under a lot of scrutiny, more so than it was prior. And then the Pro Tour came out with a statement of like basically standing behind Elaine and she's going to finish out the season. Um, but he does bring a good point. Like a lot of like the modern day players, because even for me, I've seen Elaine King dominate North Carolina and like MA1. I vividly remember a tournament, like tournaments where I showed up and she was playing MA1 and like she cleaned house. Uh, I vi- So that's the Elaine King I knew. But prior to that, she had a dominant goat level status fpo career with five world titles and stuff and the new generation of disc golfers doesn't see her as a player they see her as a commentator and so with some of the controversy that's went on uh with the like kristen tatar things and stuff like that i could see where where you could argue that it has i mean good news for her she's already a hall of fame player already has five world titles like you, you can't you can't you can only tarnish that accolades so yeah, much but, didn't really take but the question away. yeah but the question is is like let's just say you know I, I i think we could all assume that being a successful commentator for the next five ten years there's probably more money in that than uh you know how much money she won winning tournaments however many years ago yeah so you yeah looking at so. that that's looking at it that way i also it, think that there there's a bigger chance to make a name for yourself for herself as a commentator right now than as a player however many years ago because there's so many more oh, eyeballs sure. in the sport right now so more people for will sure. know her name good or bad from commentary right now than from playing so yes yeah, pro- there is prob- definitely a chance that's probably like something with uh you know like you can say about Nate Perkins or Brian Earhart or any of these guys you know, if you ask that, if you ask someone like, Hey, do you know who this is? They probably are going to say, I would, I would assume the majority of people are probably going to say like, like, Oh yeah. The commentator, the on-field reporter. Yeah. And then Nate and Doss. Be like, Oh Nate yeah. Doss that, is another one. 
Nate Doss would be a good one too. It'd be very interesting to, you know, go out to just, uh, you know, man on the street kind of thing at a disc golf course and ask people. And I would say like, like you said, the old people, not old people, but like the people that have been playing disc golf for years, they probably are like, Oh yeah. Nate Doss, he's won a lot of world championships, but the newer players probably only know Nate Doss from commentator yeah they'd probably and, say again, he's a like, commentator i think they say he's won a few world titles or something, here, versus other people saying, would say uh, he's yeah. a world champion who's now a commentator yeah and a lot of that has to do too with just like the coverage now is getting more there's way more cameras way way more media going on now than there was back then yeah so it's harder to kind of reshow and keep all that history going yeah here's uh here's a kind of example that chris with the super chat said he said, um, does it hurt a Hall of Fame basketball player by being a bad GM? Like that kind of. Um, I mm, um, That's a, that's I a little tough because a, a GM so behind the scenes, you have to be like really into basketball yeah. to see it. Yeah. Or you got to really screw well, up. I mean, like for Steve like, Nash, Tom, for instance, if, as a head coach, I think is a little bit more like in front of the scene. Like I couldn't, be, yeah. I couldn't name a okay, GM. Yeah, let's say coach. But I could say like Steve Hall of Nash, Fame basketball player and Jason he's Kidd, now a coach. Steve Kerr. Does that, does that, uh, it, it could his they, basketball. It could. Suck, it could. They suck. The sure. thing, the thing with the NBA though is if they suck, they're not going to have a long enough coaching career to tarnish their name. Yeah. So, because yeah. like Steve Kerr is going to be known as the Golden State Warriors coach more than he is a Bulls basketball player, hmm. because yeah. of so how, something how much he's to done. do. Tom Brady is another good example, right? Like Tom Brady is going to get in the booth for ten years. Now, I, I don't think anyone's assuming he's going to be bad. I feel like he's probably going to be very, very good. But if he was bad, let's just say he ends up being bad and people don't like him, you're going to have a lot of people being like. Oh, Tom Brady. Yeah, he was a good quarterback, but he was a terrible comment. Like he sucked at commentating, and that that'll just be something that people will always bring. Yeah, versus Tony versus, Romo. I feel well, like no, even Tony, even Tony Romo. Some people are anti Tony Romo now. Sure, like, if you stay in sure. the limelight enough time commentating, yeah, you can't win. But I'm saying Tony That's Romo turned a lot of hearts. With Tom Bro- he did, but now I think people are now turning on him. Sure. Maybe now, yeah. I haven't I haven't paid close enough attention, but I vividly remember I vividly remember a lot of people hated Tony Romo uh as a quarterback, mainly just because I think Dallas just didn't, didn't do anything. Um so Cowboys fans didn't like him and then everyone well, hated Cowboys, him Cowboys. I mean, yeah, I was gonna say Cowboys are one of those teams that yeah. you know you either are a fan of or you hate. It's and, not yeah. like the Browns where no like there's very few people that hate the Browns. Yeah. Yeah, but then when he when he got into the booth, a lot of people's opinion changed. I think yeah. when Tom got to Tampa, Tampa Tom, a lot of people's opinion changed. Heck, TikTok Tom has changed a lot of opinions. Have you seen him on TikTok? <laughs> this man's wild. He's on TikTok. Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah. it's hilarious. Oh man. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it's not even like his. Like it's not even like people are editing clips together. Like he is genuinely making TikToks. Good for, yeah, he good was for, good for you, Tom. He he initially started with just like someone making making his TikToks for him kind of thing, and they were all like very cool. But now he's like literally a TikToker. Like yeah. he's doing trends yeah. that like people at home do as well. It's very funny. Is he like I really watched the one now? where he, uh, he's in, he's like forty. Well, yeah, he's like, like forty plus. He's still a disgusting quarterback. Though. Yeah. Tampa Tom, TikTok Tom, Tampa Tom. All right. 
We got one from Duval Disc Golf. What do you oh, think yeah. the Pro Tour has to do to get outside sponsors to sponsor tournaments like OTB Open sponsored by Pepsi, for example? What do you think? Like the sport just has to get bigger, like bigger, uh, more money in the sport? What? Well, I mean, that is the more money. More eyeballs is the biggest more thing. More eyeballs. I think that's the big thing. But, I mean, what, like, steps you take to get there, I mean, in my opinion, it's a, a lot of small steps that get you there. It's not just, like, we need this one magical thing and it gets there. I will say it's a little bit of a, um, I guess, trickle effect might be the right word, where when one brand jumps in and continues, then you'll start to see more. Um, but one brand is going to have to take the risk and it's going to have to pay off. Uh so I, th- I think, I don't know, the big thing is just more eyeballs, and I think a, a really big thing is more people, more fans on the ground. Like, obviously, like, there's a lot of fans in disc golf that are at tournaments, sure, but, like... It looks way better. Once there's 5,000 people at, like, every single pro tour, it looks better, and also the on-course integrations, the on-course advertisement becomes a lot more valuable because, like... Right now, as a disc golf brand, if you pay for an on-course advertisement and it happens to not get shown on the coverage, you're you know you you're flipping a coin if you're getting seen by 500 people or a thousand people or something. Whereas if you know, even if I don't get shown on the coverage, there's going to be 7,000 people, maybe maybe 10,000 people throughout the course of the weekend that are walking by my sign. Even if I don't get shown on the coverage, that's worth something. And you know, if it's Pepsi or something, you know hey, every Pro Tour, that's the only beverage that's there now. And there's X amount of people that are coming through. That's worth something. So I think the biggest thing is just eyeballs and then being intentional, putting Pro Tours in disc golf hotbeds to make sure that like there's going to be a ton of people. Like Charlotte, mm-hmm. USDGC, there's always going to be a big crowd there. What What is preventing... A larger amounts of people from coming out to these events is it like parking well no small towns we don't play in any big cities yeah uh so we just we just need courses in big cities we yeah. were talking about this we like literally think think of one tournament that is played in a big city it's literally charlotte that's it so so we have no well vegas consider vegas vegas is still right? outside Ve- isn't it or is it is it close enough it's it's close enough. Okay, I mean, you're not going to be like in downtown Vegas. Yeah. Um, and then after that, you've got like Waco, no Belton, no Tyler, Texas, no Jonesboro, no Emporia, no uh, Santa Cruz, not really Stockton, not really. Um, Portland will Portland was big last year. Like yeah. there was a lot of people that came there. Um, but if you start like Idlewild is in, where's that? That's Cincinnati, but it's way outside. Is it outside? It's like 20 minutes from the airport. I don't know how far that is from the, I don't know how far that is from. Are you sure? I feel feel like we are, we stay at the airport. That's the hotel I stay. I always stay at. It's literally connected to the airport. You literally stayed there last. last It's in Burlington, Kentucky. It's pretty far outside. Someone said there's a Silver Series in Jacksonville, Florida this year. How far is it from? Oh, wait. Hold on. It's pretty far outside the city. 
but but that's maybe not that that's one that probably is like close enough but it's it's one of those things where it is interesting of where you know i think i think obviously being in a city it's 22 minutes from cincinnati from the city downtown yeah i just oh, i just that. i routed from cincinnati yeah. to that's i think anything island. inside of like anything inside of like 45 minutes is not bad yeah cuz that means if you live on the other side of the city you still can you come. still can get there but yeah yeah, but it, it, I think that I think honestly that's one thing of where it's the pool of people willing to come when you go to smaller cities is going to be much smaller. Yeah. Then if you go to a larger city and you can and you can start because I think that's something too that will be very interesting to see what the Disc Golf Pro Tour does in the future is like how much promotion they put into like the radio, how much promotion do they put into uh like events leading up to the actual tournament to where you get people excited and in word on the street kind of talking yeah like yeah i i don't know if that's because as far as or something well i don't know about billboards but just like marketing just have marketing on the grounds at there you know and i think that's something that is definitely long term i don't think there it makes sense probably to do that right now but um you definitely hear like when you listen to local radio and stuff, when there's, when there's an event coming to town, you oftentimes hear that yeah. on the radio, you see it in the newspapers. And I think Emporia is one where the event is so massive to the city already that, you know, the whole city's buzzing about that event, you know, and that's also another event that's very, it would be interesting to see how many people would show up to that event if there wasn't a big AM tournament. Yeah, so no, that would be very interesting. I, I think it would also be interesting to run an experiment of the same amount of local marketing that goes on in Emporia for DDO if you put that into, I mean, Cincinnati for Idlewild. Yeah, what, what does happens? It do? Yeah, like, like yeah, how much the, of a direct effect... Yeah, is that having like? Because obviously, if you get a certain percentage of the Emporia population out, that's not drastic, you know. Let's say that, but it, it might make the disc golf tournament there feel bigger. But then you get that same percentage or close to the same percentage of a Cincinnati population out, you might not be able to hold them. I guess that's the other thing too is like a lot of these tournaments are selling out, but they're selling out like five hundred spots because of what? I was looking. I was looking at. That's uh, a great question. So I was looking. I don't know. I was looking at the Charles Schwab tournament that's happening this uh, this weekend here in the DFW area, and I just wanted to see like, you know, it's it's a good tournament. It's not a massive tournament. It's a good tournament, and I just looked up like the attendance, and the only thing I saw was from like 2020 that they're limiting the amount of spectators per day because of COVID to 15,000. Holy cow! So I don't know what that means. I don't know how many people are actually going to be there this year or whatever, but the fact that they're limiting it to 15,000 only, that makes me believe there's more than 15,000 that normally show up. Yeah. And that's that's massive. I would love to get numbers from the Disc Golf Pro Tour and how many people have gone to these events because Well, you can see the tickets are selling now. How many many tickets sold? You can see how many tickets sold for OTB? Uh, maybe not. I mean, some, I think OTB might've went through Eventbrite, which you can't, but the ones that are going through disc golf scene, you can. And like, that's how we saw oh, there's really? only a few, there, that's how we saw there's only a few hundred at champions cup. Oh, oh, interesting. Um, I will say 
that was uh we were on hole 17 and the leaders were probably on hole gosh 11 i would say the island hole at the time and it was probably one of the loudest roars i've heard from like across across the course right like we were pretty far away from that hole and the roar was pretty loud so that was that's always fun and, and cool to hear yeah, you can't so you can't say numbers how, for uh, OTB online. Hmm. You can't see. Yeah, how many so they I don't had. know how. I don't know how big the crowd was, but the cheapest I mean, the cheapest ticket was eighteen bucks, and that was for the concert. The cheapest general admission ticket was twenty bucks, I believe. Oh, okay. That's really. I feel like that. I mean, I've never been a spectator, but I feel like that's super cheap. This for, felt that's like for a, a single real, day general admission. Oh, this felt like day. a real. Oh, okay. That was the cheapest day. So that was. Friday general admission. It was like thirty some bucks final day general admission. Oh, but this this felt like a real event, Silas. Like it felt like a real event. That's good. That's good to hear that they're you know putting that time and effort into making it great. Like, yeah, like when you're parking, when you when you park, yeah, there's like there's ropes off area so you know where to park, and then they have like fencing, like actual like what you would see at a concert. Yeah you walk into the venue so it's just like already right off the bat you feel like okay like i'm actually at an event i'm just not walking through a field yeah so yeah i think all that's i don't know if we have any people watching that went to the event i would love to hear what they thought of it if there's if anyone that's watching or listening uh after the fact uh you know post in the comments on the youtube uh what what your thoughts were on going to the event because again i think this one and again the champions cup was really good jonesboro was really good so it's it feels like we're getting better and better and better which is awesome but i would love to hear from people that actually went to the event and from their perspective what they thought about it yeah, Portland opened. Uh, the only there's one thing sold out. It doesn't say how many are available of anything, but the four day VIP pass with merch is sold out, which was 150 bucks. I wonder how many of those were. I Jeez. don't know. And then the four day VIP pass without merch is still available. The four day general admission pass, and then all the individual day VIP and general how admission much, passes. How much is that sold. for a four day? Four VIP. day general admission or four day four day VIP is no. 100. Four day general admissions 40. Okay. So, uh, so it's ten bucks, ten bucks a day general admission for four day. Yeah. Or you can pay fifteen bucks a day, twenty bucks for the final day if you just pay one day. That's not bad. I, I don't. Ten bucks a day is. I'm not, I don't think it's bad at all. No, I I have no complaints. No, that's in my opinion that's that's cheap. Yeah, I think ten bucks a day is great. What is VIP? I think that's, that's a, you? I think you hey, get inside so the room. Ge- general admission gets you certain general admission viewing areas you yeah, don't yeah, yeah. you don't follow the cards yeah vip okay. you get to follow the cards when available gotcha essentially okay. so cool. if most people want vip yeah 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 we had we had a good little group um on sunday we had a little gr- good group because it was me uh kevin jones and garrett Gurthy. so we had a solid and and obviously we're teeing off pretty early so people you know could People that watched FPO, for example, when that was over, they could join and watch us and then kind of peel off before right, the lead card started. Nice. Yeah. So it, I think that's also a really cool part, too, with going to these events as well. 
there are more and more like, you know, Aaron Gossage, for example, like he's starting to make a name for himself. Right. Yeah. And there could very well be some people that are huge Aaron Gossage fans in a couple months or right now. Yeah. And when they go to an event, they want to watch him play and he might be in 20th place or 25th place. And you would never see him on coverage the final day, but he might be playing with uh, Jeremy Coling and a Austin Turner or whoever. And you're like, Oh wow, that's a sick card. Like I want to go watch them. And you can do that. So I think live, it's going to get better and better, obviously, as as more and uh, more people watching, make names. Yeah, but I think also, too, we need more cut cameras. I'm just going to keep uh, harping yeah. on that. Now, obviously, there is probably some sort of formula of, like, how much money they're making versus how many cameras they're showing, right? Because it is very expensive to get more and more of those live units. But I, I think as you get more and more cameras and show more and more players and get more and more people involved in all this, I think it makes the broadcast way better. And then also you're just building out the tour, right? You're like getting more people uh, coverage to where people are like now interested in those people. Yeah. Well, sweet. I think that uh, about wraps up the show. Um, you'll be heading to Portland next, correct? Heading out yeah, next we've week. Got brand Brand new course uh, for Portland on the golf course. Brand new. And then Blue Lake, yeah. which was Worlds 2016? 14. 15? 14? Yeah, 14. 15 was, Pins- 15 was Pittsburgh. 16 was Emporia. 17 Georgia. 18 back up north somewhere. It was 14. It was where they went to the playoff. Okay. Ricky threw it into yeah, the tree. We'll, Paul got up and down. One is third in a row. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what they Thrilling. did there because I remember I did play it when I was out there in Portland last year. Yeah, because the golf course I got there early and the golf course wasn't actually ready for us to practice. So everyone's like, people either went up and played uh, the Beaver State Fling course, which I don't. What is that one called? Milo MacGyver. Yeah, people played that one or people were going to this Blue Lake one. And I remember I played it really fun, really awesome. It'll be interesting to see kind of like how much OB they put down to actually make it challenging. Yeah. Um, and then, and and yeah, so Portland, like I said, that was a big one last year. I remember that was the one of the only tournaments that I went to where you would be on the driving range warming up and there was like 20, 30 people watching. Wow. Yeah, like it's mo- awesome. Most of the time, yeah, most of the time you're going on the driving range, no one's really paying attention, but there's so many people there that they were just everywhere. So that that one should be a fun one. Sweet. Well, looking forward to it. Uh tournaments with a lot of fans always makes the live coverage and everything way more electric and way more exciting. And um, yeah, we'll be back here again next week. We'll probably go an hour later because you'll be back on the West Coast. So we'll probably go back to the 8 p.m. Eastern time for that, but we'll post all about it as we get closer and closer. And thank you all so much for tuning in. Hope you have a great week. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. 